Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery, our true crime podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Heather, and I know absolutely nothing about true crime. And my name is Jillian, and I consider myself somewhat of a true crime expert. Yes, Jill is our resident true crime expert. And we created this podcast so that Jill could teach me about all things true crime, both locally and nationally, and to take you guys along for the journey, so that if you too know nothing about true crime, you can learn something. Or maybe hear another perspective about stories you already know. Okay, so before we get started with today's episode, I do want to start off by saying that we had a little incident happen this week. And I'm not trying to pull the whole my dog ate my homework card, but my parents' dog ate my homework. And by homework, I mean he ate my podcast journal that had all of our requests written down in it. So if we haven't gotten to your episode yet, please resubmit it on Facebook or Instagram. If you want to see the perp, the photo is on our Facebook page. He is lucky he is cute. Because He's very cute, just also apparently destructive. Very. Um, and you know, it wasn't his fault, but it, you know... I shouldn't have left it where he could eat it, and he was just trying to help. So, thanks, Lumen. Um, we will be storing all of our requests digitally now to not let this happen again. My bad. I'm so sorry, everybody. But to jump right in, today's case was sent to me by my mom, Gina, so thank you for your request. And before we get started, I do want to advise that this case mentions sexual assault, so listener discretion is advised. We're going to start on June 7th of 1965 when Jacqueline Sue Johns was born, the youngest daughter to Leslie and Shirley Johns. They resided in a small town of Nixon, Missouri, which is right by Springfield, Missouri. Okay. When Jackie, which is what her friends referred to her as, was growing up in Nixa, they had a population of only around three to 4,000, so it was pretty small. According to Jackie's sister, Jean and Nixa, just about everyone knew everyone, and if you didn't know them, you at least knew their name. Growing up, Jackie was loved by everyone. She was kind, funny, popular, outgoing, and beautiful. She was actually crowned the Sucker Day Queen in 1983, and I looked it up, and Sucker Day is an annual tradition in Nixa going on since about the 1950s, and it's a day where pretty much everyone in the town, like, takes off work and leave school or whatever and they go and catch sucker fish and then they have a huge fish fry and a parade and there's vendors and craft booths and entertainment and all of the proceeds go to local causes so it it sounds fun but i was gonna say that sounds like a fun cause right and it's a and we get to skip school (laughs) right which like when they said like people take off of school and work i'm like maybe they like schedule on the weekends but probably not true but the teachers are probably at the soccer day parade. They're so. all there, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it is a very big hit in Nixa. So I think that just goes to show how much the town adored Jackie because they crowned her the queen. On top of that, she was crowned prom queen her senior year. Why is it always the prom queens? They have too many targets on their back. Yeah. Well... See, we didn't, my school didn't have dances or, if, if my school had a senior prom queen, it would have been me because I was the only girl my senior year. I was going to say, I took Jill to senior prom as my date, so. Yeah, that was an interesting situation. (laughs) I am so socially awkward and that just showed so brightly that night. Yeah, but but you had to experience it. I did. 
At the age of 19, Jackie got her dream car, a black 1976 Camaro with a customized license plate. And the license plate had her name on it, followed by the dash, by a dash and the letter one. Post high school, Jackie attended college for about a year before deciding she wanted to take a break from schooling and instead decided to get a job waitressing at the local cafe. This was a cafe in Nixa, which was very popular among the locals, called the Sail Barn. Everyone there, obviously, loved Jackie, including her boyfriend at the time, Cody, whom she met while waitressing. Cody was very much a Missouri yeehaw type of cowboy. and <laughs> It said he was a cowboy, and I'm just like, oh, I know exactly. Um, but Jackie was fascinated with him, and according to friends and family, he treated her right and cared for her a lot, and they basically were just like madly in love with each other. However, yeah, there was a little tension as Cody was previously married and there was some, it was apparently like a messy separation issue, but other than that, they loved each other and everybody talked highly of Cody. On June 17th of 1985, Jackie's best friend since second grade, Lisa, said Jackie called her up wanting to go out together after her shift. But there was a lot of fog that night, so Lisa's mother didn't want her to go, and Lisa stayed in, um, and Jackie was like, okay, well, I'll talk to you later. That night, after her shift, Jackie left the cafe, but unfortunately, this time, she never made it home. The morning of June 18th, Jackie's dad woke up to notice Jackie hadn't returned home, which was not like her at all. He called her older sister, Jean, at work to let her know that she never came home and Also, earlier that morning, that a man who was delivering goods saw Jackie's Camaro on the side of the highway. It was abandoned and worried him enough for him to call Jackie's boss at the cafe because, like I said, everyone knew everyone, and apparently this was, like, very close to the cafe. And her name's on the license plate. Oh, yeah. Everybody in the town knew it was Jackie's car because from what what I heard people say, like, black Camaros were not, like, not a common color and... Obviously, yeah. It had her name has literally her name on, on it. it. Yeah. And she's proud of her car. It's her dream car. So, of course, everybody's going to know it's hers. Right. Before her boss called the sheriff, he went to the car and found that it was unlocked with the door open slightly. He saw some marks that looked like blood, as well as some bloody clothes and her purse. He immediately got the police involved. And when they arrived on scene, the newly elected sheriff, who was just 33 years old, named Dwight McNeil, who happened to be a friend of Jackie's, saw clear evidence of a struggle, not only with the stuff inside being tossed around and the blood, but Jackie's whole steering wheel was bent in her car. Weird. Right. Which they were a lot different then. Yeah. But still, that takes a lot, you know? Yeah. Her keys were still in the ignition, and police said they were fully prepared to find her body in the trunk. But when they opened it, they only saw a car jack covered in blood and hair. Yeah. Jackie's dad had drove down as soon as he heard they found her car abandoned, but police wouldn't let him pass the end of the crime scene. They launched a huge search party of over 100 locals and got the Missouri State Highway Patrol involved in the investigation. Jackie was nowhere to be found. A lot of people in the town said they couldn't wait to find her to ask her what happened. They it's really just that if her blood and her hair is all over something, the chances of her being alive are slim, I feel like. Well, I guess in their mind... Well, they didn't know what happened, but I feel like they think that she just got attacked and, like, was somewhere. Okay. But I also feel like this is a very small town, and they just, when it's somebody that you know and care about, you like, you don't expect them. 
Yeah, you and know? I do understand that. I'm just thinking, like, if somebody's hitting the head hard enough to pull their hair off their scalp, mm-hmm. that's, like, pretty hard. Right. Well, and at this point, they didn't know, like... Yeah, the police probably aren't releasing all this information. Right. In uh, but either. police did say foul play obviously was suspected, but they also thought she was just hurt at this point. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, or at least just... from what some of the investigators said. Okay. They really didn't... Ex- I must be wrong. Phoebe must be able to be hit in the head hard enough to have your hair pulled off your head and still live sometimes. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But the search continued until the morning of June 22nd, just four days after her disappearance. Wow. This was when a couple people at Lake Springfield who were fishing found Jackie's body in the lake. The town was devastated and wanted answers. Jackie's body was discovered naked in the water with wounds to her head that matched the carjack they found as well as bruises showing that she put up a fight to her attacker. They also found semen indicating sexual assault, but as we know, they didn't have DNA testing to do anything with it. Yeah. They did, however, still take swabs of it. A receipt showed Jackie had stopped at a gas station around 11 that night. Along with the autopsy, they believe that she was killed shortly after this. The search party quickly turned into a full murder investigation. Per usual, Cody, Jackie's boyfriend was questioned, but cleared, though there was no concrete evidence as he was home and had no alibi. Okay. They then looked into her place of work. Jackie was loved by everyone, like I said, but there were some weirdos and creeps that got a little too attached to her as a waitress. They got a list of the cafe regulars and started looking into each one, validating their alibis that night, except for one. A man named Lester, who apparently had some mental problems as he had a history of being institutionalized, Jackie's co-worker said Lester had been in multiple times, like, would request her as a waitress, and she didn't want to be his waitress and would try to pawn him off on other people. Okay. And that he would start bringing gifts to work to her. Yeah. And her friend was like, you know, she turned down chocolate. Like, she would never turn down chocolate unless she was like, okay, like, this is, like, creepy. Um, He would also leave gifts on her windshield and inside of her car, and it made Jackie extremely uncomfortable. She also told her friends and family that she thought she was being watched sometimes. Now, some of her friends said they kind of thought she was being overdramatic and didn't really think too much into it. Um, but police thought that they had their guy until they went to find him and couldn't. It turns I feel out... like that's a good sign. If they ran away, they probably did it. Well, it turns out he was in jail. Oh, probably wasn't him. <laughs> for attempted murder. Okay. And... You know, they went there and he was like, oh, I cared for her so much. Like, I would never hurt her. Like, he was, like, infatuated with her, which, you How know, long had he been in jail? He had been in jail. I don't think he was in jail that long, but they did verify that he was sitting in a jail cell the night of her murder. Okay, it wasn't him. It, so it wasn't, yes. And I thought case, it was, but it's not. The case went cold, even though he did try to kill somebody else. So. I mean, he definitely seems. Unhinged. Off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the case went cold until someone called the police tip line and said that they saw a blue and white Chevy truck by the gas station that Jackie was last seen at. Um, Crime Stoppers had had an entire, like, tip hotline uh, set up in case anyone wanted to anonymously report anything that they saw. So soon after this first tip, a second tip about the exact same truck came in and police were able to track down the owner, which, like I said... Honestly, everybody, as soon as they said what kind of truck it was, they already knew who it was because yeah, small town, people just know what you drive. 
The owner was 28-year-old Gerald Carnahan. He was a cafe regular with a wealthy, well-established family in the community, as his father owned Springfield Aluminum. Locals said he was kind of a trash person in general. So when police questioned him, he was cocky and emotionless. They noticed that he had abrasions on his hand, which, of course, he said that he was playing volleyball with his friends prior, and that's why he had the abrasions on his hand. He said that he didn't really know Jackie other than the cafe, and he briefly employed her at his family's business, which Jackie's friends said at the time her working there was cut short because Gerald kept flirting with her and making her uncomfortable, and he continually tried to ask her out even though he kept getting rejected because apparently no doesn't mean no to him. His alibi was that he was having dinner with his stepdaughter the night of Jackie's murder and that they had gotten home around 10.45 and he didn't leave again because they like went out and got dinner. Okay. But 10.45 was before Jackie's murder. So true. it was possible that after dinner he left again, but his stepdaughter said that he didn't because they had a cattle guard and that she would have heard him leave. Soon after, I don't trust her. (laughs) I don't trust her ears. Like, she could have been doing something. Right. But soon after questioning, Gerald's brother reached out to police to let him know that he saw Gerald's truck parked close to the road Jackie took home around 11 p.m. the night of the murder. I trust him. Obviously, this makes his alibi trash. Yep. And I just want to take a quick second to shout out the brother because coming forward about your own family, I feel like takes a lot so very thankful for that so police searched gerald's truck i feel like that says a lot about gerald (laughs) honestly yeah and like because i feel like your family i feel like nine times out of ten family members are like no they were such they were so nice they never would have done that you know what i mean right and so for his brother to be like listen i saw his truck there (laughs) right yeah which like and these people like Jackie's, like, sisters said that they literally grew up with him. Yeah. Like, obviously, they were all in the same town. So, police got a warrant a warrant for his truck, but unfortunately, they found nothing that linked him to her death. Were there not... Did they do fingerprints? There was no fingerprints found in her car. Okay. Um, Thank Which, you. obviously, the body had to have been moved somewhere. Yeah. I have a feeling he just, like, cleaned his truck, deep cleaned it after that. Because they didn't find anything in there either. But since they couldn't link him to anything, they arrested him for tampering with evidence because he lied about the relationship. Saying that, oh, he just, like, he didn't oh. really know her too well. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. And, like, no, you literally harassed her. That's kind of a weird thing to be arrested on. Well, it is. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I didn't know you could be arrested for that. He, apparently, you really can't because his lawyer, obviously, was like, you can't legally do that because he didn't legally tamper with anything he just didn't tell you the whole truth or something i don't know i was thinking tampering with evidence was always like physical tampering is what is where my mind was and i think that might have been like why they couldn't necessarily get him but so obviously that charge didn't stick but here's the kicker okay when they tried to arrest him for tampering with evidence he was gone he actually fled to california to go to Again, if you if you have left, you have done it. Well, <laughs> the first guy was in jail. Yeah. Okay, he was arrested. He had no control over where he was. But if you flee, you're telling them that you did it. Right. Well, he fled to California, and he was on a plane to fly to Thailand. So he was actually arrested on the plane in Los Angeles, 
before it took off. Well, what was he arrested for this time? This was for the tampering of evidence. I kind of oh. just drugged that drugged that out okay. and put it in the wrong order, but that's okay. That's what he he was like trying to flee the country when they went to arrest him for that. So unfortunately, like I said, after his arrest, he was released because one lack of evidence and two his tampering charge didn't stick. Mm-hmm. Also, he had enough money for a good lawyer. Mm. Jackie's case went cold for years. Though, in 1993, Gerald was sentenced to two years for attempting to kidnap an 18-year-old woman in Springfield, Missouri. Everyone in the town, yeah, everyone in the town knew that he was one that did this to Jackie and that he got away with it because of his, his wealth and his privilege. But fortunately, all of the money in the world couldn't change the fact that DNA testing was becoming a thing and on the rise. In 2006, over 20 years since Jackie's death, The investigators wanted to take a second look at the case, and Sergeant Dan Nash was in charge of the case. He looked over everything and found that the semen specimen was still there and perfectly preserved, which is absolutely crazy. Perfect. Right. I love it. Let's go. Right. Well, this was the early 2000s, so it wasn't like now where they could just run tests and link it to you because your cousin wanted to know how Irish he was. Initially, police did think that it was going to be Cody's, her boyfriend's. As it was her boyfriend. At the time, no one really asked, like, how long has it been since you've been romantically involved with your partner? Because it didn't really matter. Yeah. So they got his samples and, like, he still lived in Nixa at the time. And he might still, I don't know. And he fully cooperated with the police and was like, you know. I just don't think it's him. Right. Well. Was it? It wasn't. Okay. It was not his. I just never have been suspicious of the boyfriend. I don't know why. I feel like normally I am, but in this case, I just have not been suspicious. No, and, like, everybody talked, like, very highly. Like, he apparently was just, like, an all-around American good cowboy. He was a Missouri cowboy. (laughs) cowboy. (laughs) So, they had to get a search warrant for Gerald's DNA, and, of course, he called his lawyer, but that did no good because it was a warrant, and they were like, no, the lawyer was like, you have to, like, legally give it to him. So, Sergeant Nash said that he actually saw Gerald start How to... How awkward. Okay, what kind of DNA sample are we getting here? Because a mouth it... swab. Okay, I was like... Yeah, no, I, I know. How do we force someone into that? I don't know. No, it it's just they did a mouth swab. Okay. But Sergeant Nash said that, that Gerald started to cry as he was taking the swab. It's because he knew. Yep. So at this point... bad egg. They knew that they had their guy, and after testing in Jefferson City, they had a match. August 2007, they arrested Gerald, and on September 14th of 2010, Gerald Carnahan was found guilty of the murder and rape of Jackie Johns, and in October, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I will say that in September, when he was found guilty or whatever, um, Jackie's sister heard him turn to his lawyer and say something along the lines of like, so like, how long before I'm out? Like, just, like, thinking that, like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to be in there that long. No, he now is sitting in prison without the possibility of parole. So, after Jackie... I still feel like if you've got enough money, you can change those things, though. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, and and it was said that his family was one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest, family in Nixa. So, you know, I guess the aluminum business paid off well. And hopefully it all went to the brother, because... I, I like wonder him. what happened to their relationship. Like, if he knew that his brother turned him in, they probably got in a lot of fistfights. True. I don't know. Now I should have looked him up and seen if he That's said anything. Good. But um, 
after Jackie's murder, her parents never really recovered, which Makes I, don't, sense. I don't know how you could, honestly. Yeah. I feel like it's one thing to lose a child, but like it's another thing to lose anyone in that manner. Yeah, um, 100%. About three years after her murder, Jackie's mom was diagnosed with cancer and passed about four months after her diagnosis. Jackie's family and friends believe that this whole situation literally killed Jackie's mother. They think that she really died of a broken heart. That's terrible. So she she wasn't alive to see justice. I do believe that they obviously knew who did it at this time. Yeah. But at the time of the trial, Jackie's dad was still alive, but he was unable to attend the trial in person due to medical reasons because he was a diabetic mm-hmm. and he had lost one of his legs and he was like not in good health. But they did, apparently, he was, like, watching it on TV, and they had, like, the press people at his house. So there is, like, videos of him, like, watching him getting sentenced and stuff. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he did die a few years later in 2013, but I am glad that he got to see justice for his daughter. We still don't know why exactly he did it, but it is assumed by police. Obviously, it was because of his romantic feelings. Yeah, and that he couldn't they, have what he wanted. Right. And clearly he's used to getting what he wants because he has money. Right. Yeah. Disgusting. But they think that he staged, like, his truck breaking down. And then, like, when Jackie went to help him, he, you know, forced himself onto her. And when she said no, because apparently if you have money, no doesn't mean no to you, that he got violent. And that's unfortunately how she lost her life. Uh, However, they don't know that for sure. Because I don't think... I honestly wouldn't trust this Gerald guy, whatever he says, but I don't think he's ever been like, oh, like, this is what happened, you know? Yeah. A scholarship fund was started at the Nixa High School in Jackie's name after her murder, and they still take every opportunity to celebrate her life and keep her memory alive. So that was the case of Jacqueline Sue Johns. I don't like that guy. I don't, but I will, I, I will say that you can just tell... And, like, um, there was an Oxygen episode. I watched it. And, you know, it had her, like, sisters and her best friends and stuff like that in it. And the sheriff's department that worked on it and all of that stuff. And you can just tell how much everyone in that town cared about her. Yeah. Like, she had to have been, like, just a bright and shining person. Because even the, the old sheriff of the town was, like, he was, like, before it got solved, he said that this was the case that haunted me like he could not get past it yeah and it's just a breath of fresh air after you know me and heather live where the betsy faria murder took place and we know how horribly that was botched at first because sometimes small towns don't get it right but it's just so refreshing to see a small town even though it took 20 years they never gave up well it wasn't their fault that they couldn't do the dna testing at first right I'm glad that once they realized that it was a possibility mm-hmm. that they looked at it again. And I'm glad that obviously the DNA was preserved well enough to Right. And they had it. no idea how to preserve DNA back then because yeah. they just didn't. It wasn't even a thought in their right. heads at that time. So it's cool that they were able to do that so much later. Right. So, yeah, that was a very unfortunate case. It, But I'm glad that her family has, has some justice and. Yeah. Hopefully that these people can feel safe in their homes now because I know one of them said, obviously when he got arrested in Springfield for attempted kidnapping, everybody was like, okay, like we could finally feel safe because he's living there and everybody knows that he's a murderer. 
but he's roaming free. And yeah. they were like, you know, I finally felt safe, but of it course. It would be super scary. Oh, yeah. So I'm yeah. glad that, well, I'm glad that, you know, everybody kind of felt like they knew, which, again, if you tried to run away, like, we can all just assume that you did it. So, right. like, don't run away if you don't want people to know that you did it. So I'm kind of glad that he did that in the sense that probably her mom at least knew what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not justice, but at least she had, like, an understanding of what went down. Because I right. feel like not knowing is sometimes harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm sad that she didn't get to see that he has to stay in jail even though he has money. Yeah. And I can't believe how cocky he was. Like, like how long until I get out? Well, Never. That, and the first time he was questioned, you said that he was like that, too. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody Bad was Bad just- egg behavior. Everybody was just like, he was like a douchebag, honestly. Like. No good. No. And so, I mean, I'm not trying to say he was like the last one where he like bullied people, but like it just sounded like he was just a trash person. Well, and I think we all know somebody that's like, their family is prominent and they have a lot of money and they oh, think yeah. that that just makes them the best person in the world when in reality, they're kind of t- terrible human beings sometimes. So. Well, it seems like their parents raised a good egg and a bad egg. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that the good egg helped put the bad egg away. <laughs> yes. Shout out to, and I don't think it said their na- his name, but the shout brother. out to the brother. <laughs> Honestly, that was a very brave. Yes. So. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, again. Murder misery approved. Right. Reporting your brother. <laughs> and do we want to talk about what's to come? So, some of you fans. <laughs> fans. <laughs> I'm addressing the people right now that are not in the room, have wanted to be cool like us and to have a shirt like us and Aunt Tina because she got a shirt because she was a guest. So we have decided to make you guys shirts. We don't want anyone to feel any pressure to purchase any shirts or anything like that. We just wanted to make them available for you. We've partnered with a print shop who's going to be doing the printing for us to make it a lot easier for us. And we're selling them through an Etsy store. So for the original logo shirt, we have two brands of shirts. We have comfort colors and then a regular classic Gildan t-shirt. The comfort color shirt is a little bit softer. It does cost a little bit more as well. But just so you know, it will kind of look like it's worn out faster because each shirt is dyed and the dye kind of gets on the screen printing. I've never had any mess with any other clothes that I've had. I separate my clothes by like color, but I've never noticed any bleeding onto any other clothes, but it does seem like it kind of sticks to the screen printing design. So I just wanted to make everyone aware that that is possible because I think it's pretty common. I think every single comfort color shirt I've ever had does that. These are very, comfort colors is a popular brand for like college shirts and things like that. So if you're not familiar with comfort colors, I just wanted to let you know, but we also have your classic Gildan t-shirt. Can't go wrong with classic. And then we also have two additional designs. One of them is something that I say a lot. That sounds sketchy. And then the other one is a little phrase from Jill. It's a throwback about somebody who's following her and she was like, I'd rather them think I'm crazy than end up dead. So we made a design based on that. And then we are also offering Stickers and magnets. So the stickers and magnets are the only thing that we have purchased that we have in stock. So those will be shipped from us, not from the print shop. The stickers come in two colors. 
the stickers and the magnets are all just the logo. They come in two colors, white and black, and then the magnets are all the black logo. So we don't have any white magnets at this time. If you are friends and family that we see often, please order directly from us for the magnets and stickers because we're trying to save a little bit of money on the Etsy fees. But all the shirts have to be ordered through Etsy. We are not making those or keeping those in stock. We only have magnets and stickers. And if you want to order the magnets and stickers on Etsy, you can. But it would save Jill and I a few cents if you purchase them directly through us. I also wanted to mention the shirts, you do have to pay for shipping. If you order more than one, the shipping goes down. I think it's $4 for one shirt and then $2 for each additional shirt. So if you order two shirts, shipping would be $6. There's nothing we can do to change the price of shipping, which is why we ended up purchasing magnets and stickers to have in stock because they were charging the same amount for shipping on those items. And that's just way too much money for shipping magnets and stickers. So we will be just putting them in an envelope with a stamp to make it easier for you guys, cheaper for you guys, because I just can't even fathom paying $4 for shipping a sticker. That doesn't even make any sense. But I think that's all the information that I have about the merchandise right now. We do have some additional designs in the works that we just weren't able to put up now. So we might do like another launch like a part two in a in a little while and we will keep you guys updated with that depending on how this one goes and if everything goes smoothly we have done some test runs but you know things go kind of crazy sometimes so if you have any questions or any issues please feel free to reach out to Jill or myself either through the Etsy store on Instagram through Facebook text whatever you need to do we are happy to try and help you just know that we are not creating these ourselves. We have partnered with a print shop because we don't have the ability to make lots and lots and lots of shirts and it would just take us way too much time and we felt like this was the best option for everybody. So if you purchase, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, whether or not you purchase. We love that you guys are here, but we wanted to give you the opportunity if you want to, only if you want to, to look and purchase something. So Thank you so much. We hope that you love them because we are pretty proud of them. This is our very first go around, so please be patient with us, but we're trying to let you guys be included in the family if you want to be. Only if you want to be. Do not feel any pressure. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> if you haven't already, follow our Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook accounts so you can see our announcements, and we will be back together next week with another episode. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.